The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. We may live over 5,000 miles from Lincoln Financial Field, but what we lack in proximity, we make up for in the film study. And each and every week, we will be bringing you in-depth film breakdowns from across the pond and the Sooner State. Welcome to On the Shane Page. I am your host, Shane Half. You can follow me on Twitter at ShaneHalfNFL. And I'm joined today by BGN's own Johnny Page. Give him a follow on Twitter at JohnnyPage9. Johnny, how are you doing this evening? It's, it's weird, isn't it, watching NFL without the Eagles? I'm good. Uh, I'm, it feels nice in some ways, as bad as that is for a fan to say, not have to stress every weekend about the Eagles, because the last month watching it was pretty rough. So I don't know about you, but I've quite enjoyed watching the playoff games. Uh, it's made me a little bit sick that the Eagles are not there, especially watching some of the NFC uh, games this weekend. Um, but yeah, I've quite enjoyed it in a strange way. Um, I always like the off-season, so hopefully our off-season content will be good. I've never done a full off-season podcast schedule, so if you have any ideas, please let us know. But I always find the, the off-seasons when you can really get like in-depth. Sometimes during the season, you're limited in what you can do. Um, and this episode's a good example. So we're basically just going to talk one player, Eagles QB1, Jaden Hurts. Um, I'm going to release an article about him shortly that's going to be very long. So we're going to use his podcast as like a way of sort of throwing around some of my ideas. We're just going to talk about one player. Um, before we get into it, Shane, I said I'd uh, kick things off as well. Uh, we are recording this on Wednesday, uh, my time about seven o'clock, which is your time about two o'clock. So Howie, Roseman and Nick Sirianni have not spoken yet. So don't expect any breaking news here. We're not really going to get into coordinators yet because I'd rather watch film with whoever we hire and then have a proper uh, podcast on it when we know more about it. So we're not going to get into too much there. Um, so yeah, I think we're just going to get in one player today, and I think it should be good because we haven't really had a chance. We always talk about Hurts in the offense. We haven't really had a chance just to talk about him as an individual. So yeah, I do find the offseason really fun. It's one reason why I like NFL, actually, is because you do get quite a long break to really go in depth. Like last year, as we know, run game with my baby, and I just really studied the Eagles run game, and it really helped me this year. I just really enjoyed watching the Eagles run game because of what I learned last year in the offseason. So hopefully this year, we'll be able to do something similar um, with the podcast as well. But yeah, how are you as well? Every time you ask me how I am, I never ask how you are back. I got to ramble about life and NFL and the Eagles. So how are you, Shane? I know you've moved house this week, so I bet you are stressed is a good way of explaining it. You know, I feel great. I'm not sick. Um, I know listeners of the podcast from my voice knew that it was a struggle at the end of the season. I had flu and then COVID back to back right after Christmas. So 
I was literally sick for like three weeks. I'm no longer sick. We've moved. Uh, I don't have curtains up. My office is set up in my bedroom because I don't have an office yet. So it's a little cramped, but uh, it feels good to start getting settled in. Uh, and it feels good to be in the off season. You know, I, I enjoy uh, I enjoy just NFL football as a whole. So I've been really enjoying the playoffs. Um, I'm ramping up to draft content. I'll, I'll be recording my first positional ranking podcast for BGN ranking quarterbacks uh, this evening with uh, Mark and Dibes. So I've been working on that. Uh, it's just fun to get into different projects in the off season. What I didn't expect to do was to start off the off season so controversially on Twitter. Um, so I have been moving and I haven't been as online as normal, uh, getting things unpacked and all that. But uh, I, I apparently made some controversial statements yesterday, like saying I didn't want the Eagles to draft an offensive tackle in the first round in response to Daniel Jeremiah's first round mock draft. And then I put my phone down and went and unpacked some boxes and came back to a firestorm. I apparently sparked about whether the Eagles should draft an offensive tackle. And, and then last night I found out that the Eagles were interviewing Lincoln or not Lincoln Riley. Uh, that would be a dream, wouldn't it? Uh, they were interviewing Cliff Kingsbury and I, I go along. Not that I'm like personally connected to Cliff Kingsbury, but I'm a big 12 football guy uh, and he came from the big 12. So I go a long ways back uh, with Cliff Kingsbury and I've never been a fan. I, I was pretty, I was pretty uh, anti Cliff Kingsbury at Texas tech. I was pretty anti Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona and, uh, as an NFL podcaster guy, I celebrated when Arizona got rid of him because I thought it was time to move on. And so when I saw the Eagles were bringing him in and people were excited about it and I didn't know why. So I just kind of tweeted out like, I absolutely don't want him and woke up this morning and that one had kind of gone viral. Uh, I also made a comment that I just don't think that in the modern NFL and today's NFL, you can make RPOs like the backbone, the, the main course of your offense. And I didn't expect that to be controversial. And I got a lot of pushback on that. So uh, it's awesome. We're in peak off season mode and we've only been here for like a week and, and I'm here for it. Yeah. What's awesome as well for listeners is we are going to have draft content. This is not a draft podcast, but we will have draft content is I do nothing until February and March. I'm the kid who crams his homework last minute, like to a mad level. I don't watch any college football being in the UK. We only, we do actually have college football on TV over here now, but I have not watched a single game. Like, I mean, one game of college football. So I purely watch it from a scouting uh, perspective. So it's so fun. You saying like you're having a QB ranking show and I've literally created a spreadsheet and written the names of like QBs I'm going to watch. Uh, that is all I have done. I have not watched one throw. So I proper cram so february march if you follow me on twitter will be draft because you'll get my live takes like i know nothing quite often i think last year i probably watched about 50 players in april like my april was insane and we will have draft content but it will not be for a while so if anyone yes. asks me what i think of x player i've probably not heard of him i'm about as out of the college game as i possibly can be like i really don't follow any of it during the season i try and go in with no preconceived notions uh, at all so draft coverage will be interesting because i'm very up to date but very last minute whereas you have been watching these guys for months so you already know like rankings and movers whereas i do not i know some so the guys that i the, i i'm of the guys that i'm gonna do the bgn show with i'm by far the least plugged into college football like i watch ou um i'm in oklahoma watch ou but i don't like 
obsess about college football the way I do the NFL. Simply logistically, uh, the NFL takes up Thursday, Sunday, and Monday, and I don't want to just crash on the couch all day Saturday. Uh, so I watch OU, and then I really don't have time to scout until the NFL season's over. And then we started with quarterback because the Eagles don't need one, so I don't have to be as detailed there. And uh, and we'll do like a position a week. So I'll be watching a lot of guys trying to catch up to Mark and Dibes, who've been doing this for a long time throughout the season. But uh, So I'm sort of the middle ground, I guess. But uh, I am excited to get into it uh, and talk about it. But before we do all that, the more important thing is, Let's talk about the quarterback that the Philadelphia Eagles have right now. Um, as Johnny mentioned, we're going to do uh, sort of a Jalen Hurts film review. And we're trying it. You know, it, we we figured out our format for in-season film reviews. And now that's over. We're going to figure out a new format here. So you guys were really helpful uh, in giving us feedback and things you wanted to see and adding segments to the shows along the way. So please continue to do that as we kind of find our way with the offseason. But we are still planning to put out podcasts, probably shorter. Uh, throughout the offseason where we do things like this. So today, we're going to take a comprehensive look at Jalen Hurts, and we're going to talk about some things where he took a step backward this year, uh, some places where he maybe took a step forward, and, and what it means for the Eagles going forward. And so we're going to start off, uh, if you were listening on audio platforms, I tweeted this out earlier this week. If you're watching, it's up on the screen now. But I did a deep dive into Hurts basically all of the stats, any stats you could want to find uh, for the 2023 season, passing yards, interceptions, turnover worthy play rate, EPA per play, all of those things. So Johnny, let's just talk through this and see uh, what kind of stands out to you from Hertz uh, from a statistical standpoint in 2023. Yes, we won't read every single stat out. Um, Obviously, you can go and find Shane's tweet. Um, I think I mentioned this at the start, but we're going to build this around like my article, which will be coming out soon. So anything we say, if there's any stats you're missing, just please go and look them up. Um, the number one thing that stood out for me straight away, the really obvious one, is the uh, disconnect between interceptions, uh, 15, which ranked 27th in the league, and turnover-worthy plays, 2.3%, uh, that ranks 6th. Um, there's going to be some positive regression next year. Like What I think is interesting is I know you've also got a separate one that you haven't tweeted net yet with stats from last year and Hertz turnover where he plays is 1.8%, which is very low. And I think all in all, that just highlights the Hertz two years running now takes really good care of the ball. I think this year, the interception numbers have been skewed a little bit by a few, a few like fluky plays, end of half turnovers, uh, tip balls, etc. But I think overall that to me stands out as a big disconnect. Um, I haven't looked at the other quarterbacks that rank high in interceptions, but ranking sixth in turnover worthy plays and 15 in interceptions feels like that's positive regression coming. And actually, we saw it this year with Dak Prescott, who was throwing interceptions left, right, and center. But everyone who watches the film knew that Dak was actually relatively careful to football. Um, and I think the other one that stands out maybe um, more than some of the others is the completion percentage over expected. Uh, in a positive way, he ranks third, which I think is interesting because completion percentage over expected, maybe I wouldn't expect a more mobile quarterback like Hertz to rank as high in that. Um, the numbers aren't great. Like, being honest, we're Eagles fans, but we're going to say what the data shows. Like, they're okay. Some of them are, some of the more basic stats he ranks quite lowly in, like 18th in QB rating. But a lot of the film stats, like PFF, he's seventh. Uh, EPA per play, he's seventh. Completion percentage over expected, he's as I said third. So I think actually he ranks like top seven ish in some of the important metrics. But obviously, when you see interceptions, 27th in the NFL. Um, it doesn't look great. And there's a few other stats I know that you sort of 
are a little bit concerned about. Um, the one other one I'll throw at you, Shane, before um, I leave you to talk about some of you, because you are the stats man here, is just um, nothing sums up this Eagles offense more than Hurts ranking second in average depth of target and 26th in time to throw. Um, you can, and we're going to try and separate quarterback and scheme today. You can talk all you want about the scheme and the quarterback, but they go hand in hand. So you can blame Hurts for that. You can say that's a Hurts problem because that's a coaching problem. But I always tend to think that Hurts is someone who is, all we hear is he's willing to be coached. And I think that's an offense problem rather than a Hurts problem. And I think even last year, his average depth of target was lower. His time to throw was lower. So I know he can do it. That's what's good about Hurts is we have a whole season's worth of data from last year to prove that he can actually uh, do those things better than he is now, which means I sort of slightly edge towards the idea of it being a coaching issue. Um, any other statistics stand out uh, that I haven't covered there for you? Yeah, the you, the first one you mentioned, I think, is the biggest one, the interceptions versus the turnover-worthy play rate. Like, to rank, have the sixth lowest turnover-worthy play rate and the third most interceptions, Um that's just extremely unfortunate. And, and I feel like, I think it was before we started doing this podcast. Uh, oh, it was almost weekly in my all 22 videos. I would be breaking down a Hertz interception and I'd just be like, I mean, it was a good read and it was a good throw. It was a fantastic play by a cornerback or this ball got tipped and it popped right up into the air and somebody caught it. And, and that's not to say that there's not aspects Hertz could do better in, but I think Hertz does a really good job of taking care of the ball. And he just got unlucky. And you mentioned Dak Prescott last year. Dak Prescott leading the league in interceptions despite only playing like, I forget, like 11 games or something like that. And yet his turnover-worthy play rate wasn't that high. It, it was bad luck situations. And you saw that change for Dak this year. I mean, he still had 11 interceptions. but um, So that one stands out. Um, another one that really stood out to me is his pressure to sack rate. And so, you know, pressure to sack rate is basically on what percentage of plays where you are pressured, do you end up taking a sack? And, and sacks, sacks and pressures are more of a QB stat than most people think. They think it's all ind indicative of offensive line play. Well, Jalen Hurts took 36 sacks this year, which was 20th in the NFL. The Eagles have a much better offensive line than 20th best. Now there's blitzing that plays into that. There's Hurts holding the ball. 3.03 seconds on average time to throw, but his pressure to sack rate last year was at 21.2%. And that came down to 14.4% this year, which was seventh in the league. And I think that's really good. That shows, you know, even for, you know, the things we'll talk about with injury and how it saps some of his athleticism, he was good at escaping the pocket when he needed to. Uh, and he didn't take a lot of sacks relative to the amount of times he's pressured. Now, he may have caused a lot of those pressures for himself, but they often didn't translate into sacks. So I think that was a big one. Uh, and then you briefly touched on time to throw and average depth of target, but just to give those numbers for last year. Uh, last year, Hertz had a time to throw on average of 2.76 seconds, and this year it was 3.03 seconds. So he was holding the ball uh, over a quarter second longer, and that is an eternity in the NFL. Uh, and his average depth of target last year was 8.3 yards, which is still pretty deep, but it was 8.8 .8 yards this year. And I mean, if you just think about that, his average throw went a half a yard further this year, and you multiply that out over four or 500 throws, that, that's pushing the ball downfield at an extreme rate. So 
I think those are the main things that stuck out to me when I went and compared all of his stats from this year to his stats for last year to just kind of try to find the differences. Yeah, I think that's fair. There's nothing that like really obviously jumps out his depth. There's, no, there's nothing that like stands out as like, oh my goodness, what has changed? There's there's obviously changes and that he's got worse, basically. If you look at his numbers, they're pretty much worse in most uh, categories. That's not revolutionary, uh, me saying that. But I think they're relatively similar in many ways. And I think the good news is, is that I feel pretty confident that Hurts is like pretty stat, he's pretty stable. He's pretty consistent. There's obvious areas of improvement, but there's nothing that stands out as like, this looks really fluky or something he did last year has just got so bad now um, that, oh my goodness, he'll never be that good again because he had these numbers on third down that were just incredibly unrealistic. And this year he's, and I think actually he's pretty standard. I think the offense was better last year and the team was better. And because of that, his numbers are better. But I think actually you could argue he's a pretty similar player. Um, is there anything else you want to throw stats, uh, Shane, or should we get into some of the film takes we've had from this year? Uh, no, let's we can get into the, some of the film takes. I've got some other stats I can weave in as we go, but yeah, let's hop into it. So what's Perfect. the first thing that stuck out to you uh, on your film on your film look back yeah so let's let's start negative um what we're going to do is we're going to as we said we're playing around with the way we do these so we're going to try this and if it works then brilliant if it doesn't moan at us uh if it does tweet us nice things so basically i have tried to go through i watched basically the, this will make you laugh i watched every single offensive film thread of mine last night because i'm a saddo so i really enjoyed that no i didn't watch defensive i didn't watch running i just watched plays with hurts which is every single passing play um so that took a while and basically i tried to look at um where do I feel like he has maybe gone backwards as a player? Now, this is not like analysis of him. It could be analysis of the scheme. So you can't separate quarterback and scheme. And I, I write that throughout the article. Um, I think the areas that I came up with is areas that I think he's regressed. And it's interesting to see, we don't need to touch on all of them. If there's any that you want to touch on or that you disagree or agree with, I think he's got worse at throwing to, to the middle of the field. Um, now, interesting enough, his, his success rate is actually up throwing to the middle of the field. He's very successful when he does it. Some very weird stats about this this year that I'm sure you've seen. He just doesn't do it very often. Uh, and I'm basically willing to put that mainly down to scheme, but I think it is a Hurts issue as well. I've also put down turnovers as a very clear area of regression, but as we've explained, that's I've sort of had to put that down as, in the article as a regression. I could not, but I do think it's maybe overrated. I put his play against the, uh, against the Blitz down as something that's got worse. Um, again, I think that could be an offense. I think the interesting one to me is the rushing threat as well, because I think Hertz is a fantastic quarterback, but I think his movement skills are hugely necessary. Um, like I think it's a big, big part of his game. And I think we've just accepted that he was not healthy at the end. And when you go back and look at some of the earlier film, Fred Shane, it's pretty striking that he looks different. Like, I think it's pretty obvious. Um, is there any of those that you agree, disagree, or you want to touch on a little bit more uh, deeply? I would like to talk about middle of the field and maybe rushing a little bit. I can't be bothered to talk about the blitz anymore <laughs> or turnovers because <laughs> I feel like we've done them. But is there anything that you wanted to touch on or should we maybe go into those two a little bit more detail? Yeah, I'm done. I'm done talking about the blitz. But let's talk about let's talk about the rushing to start with. Uh, Nate Tice put out an article. I don't know if you did you read the Nate Tice uh, Jalen Hurts article on Yahoo? Yes, I read basically everything Nate Tice does. He's one of the. I don't actually agree with everything he said, and that's fine. But I am. Um, I very much respect everything Nate does. I, I know it's based on on film and not preconceived notions or clickbait. So I yeah. would uh, always have a lot of time for Nate. Okay, yeah, good. So if you guys want another snapshot of Hurts, go read Nate's article after you read Johnny's, of course. Uh, Nate goes into some of these things as well. Uh, one of the he he pulled some statistics that I thought were really telling. Uh, of Hertz as a runner this year. And so 
he excluded uh, he excluded kneel downs, scrambles, and, and QB sneaks. Just looking at designed rushing attempts. So a lot of these, are, you know, your GT your your GT counter, your uh, your read options where Hertz pulls and runs uh, on those rushing attempts. Hertz success rate dropped from fifty seven and a half percent a year ago to 40.7% this year. Like that's massive. Uh, his EPA went from 0.186 last year to negative 0.152. Uh, his yards per attempt went from 5.7 to 3.9. And then this is the big one. This is what ties it all together. His missed tackle rate forced went from 21.9% to 5.1%. Hertz just simply was not as dynamic as a runner. And we can talk about, you know, injury things. And I think injuries certainly play a part in it. Uh, There's no denying that at no point this season did he really look like the athlete he looked like last year. And and that's not something that like Hertz is not some Hertz isn't a 32 year old cornerback. That's going to fall off a cliff. Like this isn't James Bradbury losing his athleticism over an off season. This is a young quarterback in his second year as a full-time starter. And suddenly he's not an explosive athlete. And really the only thing that makes sense is injury related. And I've, I've continued to wait for some story to come out about uh, how he's having a knee surgery this off season or something like that. And I know there's the bone bruise thing and maybe it just needs time to heal, but it's weird that that really like became a thing people talked about around the dolphins game, but really the whole season, he just didn't look like a runner like he did last year. So you've got a clip here and we'll have a few clips on the screen for those watching, but just look at this last year from the super bowl, watch this hurts run and tell me he ever looked like that this year running. Yeah. There are so many clips from last year. Like it's the speed, it's the balance, like he's faster. And that's the big takeaway I had from the article actually is like, he's, also, I managed to mute myself there while talking. He's 25 years old. Like, sometimes I think of Hurts as older because he's been in the league for a few years already. Like, I think of Lamar Jackson as, like, maturing as a pocket passer. And he's 27, and he still was as good of an athlete. I mean, unless Jalen Hurts has suffered a serious injury that we've missed, like, I do not worry about quarterback's body breaking down. Carson Wentz did his ACL. Like, that's very different. And Carson Wentz was a good athlete, but he was a bigger, like, pocket sort of strong guy he wasn't a sprinter like Hertz is an out and out like fast guy like Hertz can move um there are so many clips that basically when you look at Hertz towards the end of the season he is clearly not Jalen Hurts and I think we just forgot about it basically like I look at the playoff game Shane they didn't call a design run they did not call a design QB run when the offense could do nothing that screams to me injury like whether it was a multitude of hits over time we know that he got hurt in the Rams game didn't he um, where he took a hit like that and um, where he took a hit on his knee when he tried to jump uh, and he had a bone, uh, was it a bruised knee or something? And I always think of um, the AJ Brown quote earlier on in the season when he said something like, you have no idea what that guy's dealing with. Um, I think even if we don't get a surgery report, I think it's so obvious to me anyway that I put Hurts down as a regression. So some other numbers to add to that, by the way, Shane, um, the one that I think is interesting is la- last year he had tw- seven rushes of 20 more yards this year he had two and we know explosive runs are a huge part of any good nfl offense um i know these take into account sneaks we're not perfect but 4.6 yards a carry to 3.8 yards a carry this year um there's, there's still a big difference like i think when you look at a lot of her 
um, a Hurts clip of him rushing the ball, you just see that he looks different, um, quite simply. So there's actually a clip showing that I'm going to send you as well now that I posted on Twitter yesterday. Um, this is a start of this year. So this is week one as well, this clip. Um, and it's against the New England Patriots and it's a quarterback draw. And the way he moves, like he just doesn't look like that for the final half of the season. So I think when you're taking consideration how Hurts has played this year, you, I mean, I watched Josh Allen like in the playoffs and oh my goodness, that guy can run. And Hurts is like as good as him and Lamar as a rusher, maybe slightly worse than Lamar. He's not as big as Allen, but he's up there. And I think basically he had to learn this year to play without being a great athlete. Um, and I think actually that might be a good thing for his development. But I put this as a weakness, his rushing ability, but it's not something I'm panicking about. Now, if next year he doesn't bounce back and he looks like he's injured again, then I think we're in a little bit of cause for concern. But he's 25 years old. He's an unbelievable athlete. He's been an incredible athlete his whole career. He was an incredible athlete this year at the start. Then he clearly got hurt. He wore a knee brakes for ages. He just did not really ever look healthy. So it's a problem, but it's not something that I'm hugely worried about. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add on Hurts rushing? Or I feel like we covered that. No, that's that's you. That was the point I was going to bring it back around to. Is that in the long term, he may become a better player because of that experience this year. That he had to not rely on his rushing ability so much. And uh, I know there was a couple games. I, I tweet the passing charts after every game, and I remember there was one of the games where he just didn't use his mobility at all. And he had one of the best passing games he's had. And I was trying to find that real quickly and I can't find it. But uh, yeah, I mean, there, there were times this year where he played at an elite level operating from the pocket without really being a threat as a runner. And so when you get that rushing threat back, like hopefully he will have next year, uh, it should unlock a lot of things for this offense. Now, it's worth mentioning that he missed games last year with a shoulder injury. He's playing injured this year. And that is the risk you run. Uh, when you start to use your quarterback more as a runner and you know you have Josh Allen's just indestructible it seems like but Lamar has had injury issues and uh, I mean a lot of these mobile quarterbacks you do get banged up so it is important they learn how to protect themselves and stay healthy but so much of you know so much of going and winning a Super Bowl just comes down to injury luck and the ball bouncing the right way as well and so uh yeah that, that was just what went through my mind when you were talking about that yeah, I also think um, I think it's like you mentioned about Josh Allen. Like, I think I'm fine not rushing the quarterback as much and saving him for the playoffs. And that's what I thought the Eagles were doing. They got some playoffs and they didn't rush him, which tells me like, no, something happened. Like if you go and look at the Eagles, I think against Seahawks, I mentioned this last week, he had like 17 carries. Like it, they were there. Um, they were back to rushing the football and then they stopped in the playoffs. And I don't believe they got that stupid that they just stopped rushing. Um there's one other weakness I wanted to talk about, which is very, very interesting, um, which is throwing to the middle of the field, which has been quite a big topic of conversation. I think you said you had some numbers on how his middle of the field throws have reduced this year. Am I correct in saying that? Or yeah. Am so I putting you on the spot. No, no. Yeah. There's not a lot of stats you can ask me for that I don't have somewhere, Johnny. Uh, <laughs> uh, so last year, 17% of Hertz passes targeted the middle of the field. This year, that dropped to 11%. So there, there was a, and that 11% was the lowest in the league. The next closest was 15%. So Jalen Hurts threw over the middle of the field at the lowest rate by far uh, of any other quarterback in the league. And he's never been like a big volume thrower over the middle. If you remember, that was one of the things that people talked about with getting AJ Brown, uh, that in 2021, Hurts didn't throw over the middle. 
And so you bring in AJ Brown, who is elite on slants, digs, these inbreakers, and you try to evaluate Hertz in that context for lest we forget people thinking if 2022 didn't go well, they would be in the quarterback market last off season. Well, obviously it went really well. And he threw over the middle of the field at 17% of his passes, which is not exceptionally high, but it wasn't the lowest in the league. Uh, and then this year it just plummeted. And uh, I think there, there are instances on film of him turning down throws over the middle. And, and then this gets into that separating the quarterback from the scheme, because a lot of times I don't think those throws were there or in the progressions to begin with. And so uh, I'm curious if that's kind of the same thing that you felt watching it. Yeah, so two things I want to talk about, Shane, very quickly. Firstly, the first thing I posted, that tweet of him throwing some middle of the field, um, there's a great example of him doing it. There were two brilliant examples, actually, in the article I'm going to post about him versus the commanders as well, um, where he throws two absolute dimes in the middle. Um, this is probably my favorite example from last year. There is a great throw to AJ Brown. It's a really, really good throw on a high-low concept. Um, but what I think is interesting here, Shane, is I still, and I don't know if you can pause your, you can, of course you can pause, you can't. You can you pause it like, as he's about to release it. Now, I think you can make an argument that even this throw here, the spacing's not good. Like that to me is not making that easy for a quarterback. Like that's a real, like when people talk about anticipation, Shane, I know QB school likes to draw his A on his uh, YouTube channel. That is as anticipation AAA as they come. Like he is not open in the slightest. For those of you watching or not watching, it's a high-low concept. Basically, you've got two short curl routes and AJ Brown running a dig over the top of it. I don't like the spacing. And I had issues with Eagles spacing all year. I think the middle of the field is congested. I think basically they're not very good at scheming easy throws to the middle of the field. I mean, I'm not saying, and anyone could, I could find an example of like Kyler Murray throwing middle of the field and going, look, anyone can do it. Like anyone can find one example, but this is a high level throw. Like look at when he's releasing it. This is really good, really good. Um, but I think it's still congested. Um, and I think I've got a nice example, Shane, I've just posted in the chat now as well with him turning down a short throw basically to the middle of the field and he does this too often i think too often there's a short curl that he doesn't want to throw to the middle of the field and he then bows from the pocket but this is where i think qb and scheme go hand in hand i don't like the spacing whenever i watch these plays i don't like the spacing and i feel like the eagles are not very good at running high low concepts basically i don't think they're schemed very well um, I don't think they run a lot of drive or a lot of mesh particularly well. I think they're quite clumsy in those kind of concepts. I think they're better outside the numbers. So I think that Hertz has issues throwing to the middle of the field. That is true. I absolutely think that Hertz is more comfortable throwing outside the numbers. I do not disagree. But I think a really good coach, a really good scheme could make him a below average middle of the field thrower. Like I'm not expecting him to be at 25% next year, but he could go up 17%, 18%. Like I think that what he showed last year is that he can do it. And that was over a whole season. We're not talking like two games worth of film. He got better when Shane Steichen was calling the offense. And that to me proves that he can do it. I think if you look at if you look at the film, yes, they do call plays in the middle of the field, but I don't think they scheme them well. I think when he makes throws in the middle of the field, they're often really good throws. They're not wide open. And I think that sums up like there's not that many plays where you can remember Hurts just throwing to a wide open guy. Occasionally they run dagger and they get a wide open guy on a deep dig. Um, but I think it's hard to play in this offense. I don't think this offense targets the middle of the field as much as other offenses. And I think there's good examples of that against the Blitz when they played the Buccaneers of that great meme that went around of no one being in the middle when they throw that um, when they threw the deep uh, sort of um, go balls to Dallas Goddard on third down. Like I think this offense is not good at scheming that. So I think it is a Hurts problem. 
but I think it is a problem that is made worse by the offensive coaching staff. And I don't personally believe that Hertz can't do it. I think it's not his strength, but I think he can do it at a required level to be a good quality starting quarterback. I don't think it was like two years ago when it was like, you can't call an offense for him with anything in the middle of the field. I just don't believe that. And maybe I'm being too nice to him, but that stat that um, shows how successful he was when he threw there this year, that's really interesting because that suggests that when he does it, he's really efficient. So personally, it was a weakness, but I am not worried too much about it. Yeah. uh, And I guess one other thing I would throw in there is the RPO usage. It it wasn't as good this year. I I mentioned that I I said on Twitter last night that I didn't, I just don't think that RPOs can be the main staple. It can't be the, it can be a part of your offense. It can't be like the main course. And I didn't expect to get the amount of pushback I did on that. And I know the Eagles won a Super Bowl running a lot of RPOs. They went to another one running a lot of RPOs, but the, the league evolves and I feel like this year, particularly with the, there's a lot of things that go at play. Some of it is hurts not having his mobility as well. Some of it is teams adjusting, uh, playing more zone coverage, but overall across the league, RPO rates went down. Uh, and so I looked up, I looked up the numbers. Uh, people think that the Eagles ran RPOs less this year and they need to get back to them. And in actuality, the Eagles ran RPOs at a higher rate this year than they did last year. It was 18% in 2022, 19% of their plays in 2023. But their overall success rate dropped from 55% a year ago to 46% this year. And again, if you're listening on audio platforms, this is a graphic I tweeted out on Twitter. If you're watching, you can obviously see it on the screen. But the biggest one is the how they perform passing on RPOs where their success rate a year ago was 59%, and that dropped to 49%. But what's staggering is their EPA per play. It dropped from 0.432, which was first in the league by a long shot last year, to negative 0.205, which was 26th this year. They, their RPOs, when they threw the ball out of RPO looks, it was so inefficient this year. Like It was such a bad play for them. And some of that's because they didn't run the ball as well out of those looks. Some of that is because Hertz uh, couldn't run. Some of it is because, let's be honest, Hertz wasn't reading these out as well this year. He was second-guessing himself. His ball handling wasn't as good. He wasn't as decisive in these. But the RPOs really fell off this year. And I think the Eagles continued to lean into those, and they weren't working as well. And I think that's a big part of what went wrong with this offense as well. And it's a reason. It's the reason that I'm not in on a, a Cliff Kingsbury. Or I, I don't want somebody to come in and say, "Hey, let's run RPOs on 20% of our dropbacks again, and let's be exclusively in shotgun and never motion." Like I, I think you need a scheme adjustment uh, more than you need to refine the current scheme. Yeah, I think that's that's very very fair. I like to say you managed to have another dig at uh, Cliff Kingsbury. So well played there. Imagine getting that's two if you're counting at home. I'm sure we'll get one more in at some point. Um, right, as always, we're taking forever to do a, a one-player review. So I'm going to go a little bit quick fire now, Shane. Um, I also have my second sort of column in the article. Things that I think Hurts does well, but not consistently. Um, and I'll mention each sort of heading. And if there's any that you really disagree or agree with at the end, uh, let me know. 
So I put up his focus on explosive plays is still mixed. I still like the aggressiveness, but overall, I think he can be too aggressive. I think pocket movement's really interesting. I think there are times when his pocket movement has got a lot better. And I think you see him navigate the pocket a lot more, especially compared to him as a rookie. But there are also times when he quite simply bows in the pocket when he doesn't need to. I also personally think that maybe we have too high expectations for Hurts in the pocket. And it could be that Hurts is coached to read half the field. If he doesn't like it, get out of there. I think when you're such a good athlete, I think part of that may be coaching. And I think sometimes people post too many clips of Hurts bailing from pockets and assuming he's not told to do that. I would be interested to know how often they tell him to bail. And I wouldn't be shocked if actually um, he is told to get out of there more than we think because obsession with explosive plays, great pass inside of structure, doesn't get hit in the pocket, doesn't fumble in the pocket. Um, I think the idea that you have to stand there and go through a full field read these days are quite outdated, and that's not really the way the quarterbacks um, play. Um, I acted like I was going to go on a huge rant then, and I realized they were actually the only two things that I had in that subcategory. So is there anything else you would put in there, or do you disagree with any of those two? Are things that you think that he didn't necessarily regress, but maybe he's still got a lot of work to be done? No, I think I think you hit those pretty well. Um, and, you know, like you said earlier in the podcast, it's so hard to separate coaching and quarterback in this instance because they are too reliant on explosive plays. They they do, you know, not have answers to the blitz. They He does bail from pockets, but what is he being coached to do? I, I think is a big sticking point here. Uh, and I feel like, for the most part, I think he's probably leaning into what that coaching is uh, because the way that you hear Sirianni talk about some of these things just leads you to believe it's a core philosophy, but no, I don't disagree with any of those. So uh, let's uh, let's, we're going to come back here in just a second and we'll talk about the things where we think Hertz took a step forward this season. Uh, but before we do that, let's throw to a quick break uh, and then we'll be back to talk about all the good things and leave you feeling warm and fuzzy inside back after this. And we are back here on the Shane page doing our Jalen Hurts comprehensive film review. Uh, one player, one episode, breaking it all down here. Uh, we've gone through some of the stats. Uh, we've gone through some of the places we think Hurts took a step backwards, places where there were some inconsistencies. Now we want to flip it on its head and leave you with the positive notes. Uh, I want to start off on this one. And I just want to talk. I, I mentioned the RPOs in a negative light. I think people don't understand how good of a job Jalen Hurts does just generally as a passer at times. I, if you exclude all RPO passes, uh, because, and people, you know, last year Hurts was an RPO merchant or whatever. If you exclude RPOs a year ago when Jalen Hurts was in the MVP race, went to the Super Bowl, uh, his EPA per pass attempt on non-RPOs was negative 0.028. This year it went to positive 0.023. His success rate on non-RPO throws last year went from 44.1 to 44.9. So I actually think Hertz did a better job as a passer than he did a year ago. The notable exception is such a large part of their offense is those RPOs and that regress. But when you used him as a true dropback passer, I really was encouraged by some of the things I saw. I thought there were stretches in the middle of the season especially after the Dolphins game when he was notably injured and wasn't able to be used in the running game where he did such a good job throwing the ball from the pocket and just dissecting defenses. So uh, that gives me a lot of hope for Hertz moving forward, especially as that mobility comes back, like we talked about 
I, I just thought he did such a good job pushing the ball downfield, finding open receivers, especially in that middle stretch of the season. I'm going to give you a fantastic example of this. So I've just put it in um, uh, the chat. Um, I actually, and this is before we recorded. So I said to Shane pre-recording, uh, I said, this might be a controversial one, but I put processing uh, and as a massive progression this year. Now I've sent you a clip that is, you're not going to see any highlight rule, Shane, because <laughs> nothing really happens. But it's a clip against the Dolphins where I think he's expecting to read the right-hand side because that's the side he chooses to go to pre-snap. He realizes it's not there. He comes back around to the left. He realizes he's not there. And he gets the ball to his check down um, in less than, I would guess, three seconds. I'm not uh, recording this and counting down the time with a stopwatch. But I think this is a, I think this is progression. Like when I look at this play, you can see him reading this play out. You can see his head. And I know sometimes you can look at head movements and they're reading off safeties. But I think this is pretty clearly, if you look at it, he's gone right. He's gone left. And I think his footwork is perfect. His feet match his eyes. It's a great Greg Cosell phrase he always used to say. Uh, you line up your eyes with your feet. You can see it here perfectly. Uh, his feet change so efficiently. And that's a really good job of sort of coaching over a long period of time. And quite simply, Hurst doesn't make that play two years ago. I'm not even sure he makes it last year. I think Hurts as a passer, I think he's criminally underrated. I think because he's a mobile quarterback, um, his accuracy, his ball placement gets really, really um, sort of underappreciated. Like I spoke about this in the article, actually, that I said, like, I remember when Carson Wentz was really good. He'd still sky three or four passes a game. I watched Trevor Lawrence play, who certain analysts rank above Hurts. Based on NFL film, I'm not really sure why, but we'll get into that later. But I see Trevor Lawrence just miss. Like he just flats. He just flat out misses open guys. I think Hurts rarely does. We rarely tweet like, oh, Hurts is really inaccurate today. Like even when he misses, he's near. And I think he makes some exceptionally good throws into a tight window. Like I think he's just, I think he's brilliant at the intermediate out um, uh, route throws, Dallas Goddard that he makes. We know he's excellent uh, vertically down the field in terms of ball placement. I think I completely agree with you. I think this year is a really, really good year for Hurts. I think he will learn a lot. Because I think he's learned how to cope with not being the best athlete on the field, which is basically something he's never had to do his entire career up to this day. And I think he will learn um, basically to become a better quarterback. Um, so some of the other things that I put as like real successes for Hertz, and I've got some great examples of some of these. I put deep ball thrower. It's just pretty obvious. Um, I'm going to send you now a clip of the deep ball he threw versus the new york jets this year which is absolutely outrageous if any of you can remember it it's of course against the blitz and they get a uh, free rusher because that's what the eagles do yeah. and jalen hurts stands in there and delivers an absolute dime and it's one of those throws that um basically again just show huge huge progression because it's not a throw that he was making a year or two ago and i think that's really cool when you see a player has got better at something I mean, the way he steps up in the pocket here, and he's got a guy like draped all over him. Um, I know that's more of an out-of-structure play than an in-structure play, but like the accuracy, I love the behind the um, the uh, the second angle I give you now because like when we talk about ball placement and accuracy, like I, I, have, I have a column in my article called special plays. I think Hurst just makes some really special plays. Like, and I think he's underrated still as a passer. Um, like the amount of times he bows the coaching staff out on a play like this, like that throw is outrageous. Like, if Patrick Mahomes makes that, Josh Allen makes that, I feel like that's going round online for a while. Um, quarterbacks don't make those throws. I think he can make throws that not many quarterbacks in the league can make. Um, and then the other things I put as my real strengths are his rushing ability. 
Um, and in particular, I mentioned this sort of intermediate throws as like as like an add-on. And I know his rushing wasn't great this year, but I still think you have to add him as a as a huge plus. And I think it's quite clear that if he was healthy, his athleticism would still stand out. So when you actually look at the what Hurts brings, I think he's developed so, so much as a player. I think he's still got a lot of really, really good attributes. Um, and I think sometimes we forget. I think like you, we nitpick and we talk about this, that, and every quarterback can improve. Every single quarterback can. I watched the QB schools break down of Patrick Mahomes this week and he nitpicks his footwork, which is true. Patrick Mahomes sometimes has dodgy footwork and Patrick Mahomes also is the best player basically to play the position over a short period of time and wins everything he ever plays. Like every single coach will pick flaws in every single player. And I think sometimes we get caught up too much on the negatives and actually we don't look at what they do well. And I think deep ball, intermediate throws, um, all of this kind of stuff I think Hurts is really, really strong at. And I think it's what makes him elite basically is his down the field throws and his ball placement I think is hugely underrated. Um, anything in particular you wanted to mention there? And I've actually got a couple of great uh, clips that I'll post while you're talking as well about some of the deep balls he's thrown this year that are just exceptionally good. Yeah, you hit it on the head. I mean, all the deep ball, his deep ball accuracy. Uh, and some of that is also he's got two really good receivers because deep ball accuracy is also a receiver thing. Uh, the micro adjustments that a receiver can make to a deep ball. And there's so many times that I noted on like film reviews that Hertz throws a deep ball and AJ Brown would like slow down just like for a half a step to generate contact with the defender that he had stacked and then accelerate to create separation. So instead of, instead of just running under the ball and the guy making, you know, play on his arms at the catch point, instead he gets that little collision and then reaccelerates away to create space. And some of it's that, but I mean, Hertz is putting the ball in those situations as well. So um, he, he's got a really good deep ball. Like you mentioned, he takes care of the ball. Like we talked about in the stats part, that's not something you mentioned here. And again, Sounds silly to say when he had 15 interceptions. I think Hertz does a really good job of taking care of the football. Uh, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't make. You mentioned Trevor Lawrence. I swear, every time I watch a Jaguars game and I like Trevor Lawrence, he makes a boneheaded throw, usually in the red zone. That's an interception, and you just don't see Hertz doing that a lot. Um, so, I, I think you know when you couple that with his rushing ability and his ability to push the ball downfield. Uh, there's a lot of positives. There's a lot of building blocks there for Hertz uh, moving yeah, into just, year three. One final play, Shane, I wanted you to play. This is actually the one that I meant to link last time. This is probably my favorite throw um, of the year, I think. Like, I I think it's just, it's a, the game against the Dolphins um, and he takes a deep shot. And, it, and, it's, and what I love as well is, it, is I'm pretty sure it won the game. It was like a down the field throw uh, towards the end of the game. I think it was like fourth quarter. Um, I think there was six minutes left or so. And he's just an absolute dime. Like, it's an absolute dime. It's a terrible block by Kenny Gamewell. He's got pressure on him. He's back foot. Um, I think his deep ball accuracy is still underrated. Like, he has to let go. There, there's not... And, and this is, like, me personally. I doubted Hurts, um, like, a couple of years ago. I'll be honest. I, I mean, you, I'm very open here. I've got articles going back five years. Anyone wants to know what I think, just go and read them. I wrote, broke down Hurts a couple of years ago, and I said that, basically, this is before the year with Steichen. If they can get an elite quarterback, and I did mention the name Russell Wilson. Yes, I was wrong. Although I didn't want Russell Wilson, I should say. I said that in the article. But I said if they can get who they see as an elite quarterback, I think you move on from Hurts. And my fear was always his arm strength. His arm strength and ball placement. And I basically have just been proved wrong on those. I don't think his arm strength is at all a problem. Like, I watch guys like Brock Purdy, and I clearly think his arm strength is a problem. Like, he's just limited. The ball just seems to die 
you don't really see it with Hertz. Like, I think arm talent-wise, he's fine. I think he's such a good deep ball thrower that I didn't see coming out of college. Um, and I think you forget that these guys can get better if they work hard. And I think maybe this year we've been a little bit nitpicky as a fan base of Hertz because we've been so annoyed. I think when you actually step back and look at it, I think he had a bad first few weeks when the offense was struggling. I think a lot of his problems outside of that have come with schematic problems like blitzing, uh, dealing with pressure, free rushes, etc. I think considering how injured he was and considering the fact he couldn't run, I think overall, I think he will leave this year thinking that actually he learned a real, real amount this year and it will help him be better uh, moving forward. I think that's pretty much all I have to say. And I think we'll have a little bit of fun at the end and talk about rankings and what we think of him. But is there anything else you want to mention in terms of like overall points on Jalen Hurts that you feel like we've missed in this lovely uh, 40 minute chat about one player? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think that about I think that about covers it for me. Right, so I'll tell you what I'll do is full disclaimer, I hate rankings, I hate them with a passion. Uh, they're stupid and they're pointless, but I'm going to give you a quick one now. Um, I think rankings are useful, basically, because I think they're just quite good. To, I, I prefer tiers, really. Rankings are a bad way of saying it. So I'll put myself out there and I'll say this and I'll explain why. I and mean, you can tell me if you disagree or agree. Um, and I mean, I'm also at the end, Shane, going to explain why rankings are dumb and what I actually care about more than any of this. <laughs> so I think tier one, and if I miss an obvious name, shout, because I've not written this down, this is me like spitballing. I think tier one in the NFL right now is pretty clearly Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson. I think they're like the three, for me, standout dudes. I think Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, maybe a year ago, I'd have put up there. But now I think like those three are like top, top, top. Then I think it's really interesting. Like I think the second tier you could make small and you could go like a Burrow as maybe there or thereabouts as elite, but maybe not as elite because it was out of structure players, Allen, Mahomes, and Lamar. I think you could go Burrow, and I last year I'd say Herbert. I can't say it this year. I think Herbert's talent is unbelievable, but as a player, I haven't really seen it yet. I think you could create like a big third tier then with like um, Herbert, Dak, Hertz, uh, maybe Stroud if he does it for another year. I'm sure there's someone else that I've missed uh, very badly in that. But I think that he is like roughly in that second 2.5 to third tier. And I think you can very, very, very much win with him. I'd probably put Stafford in that tier as well. Um, it's weird. I haven't really got much of a second tier, as I mentioned. I think there's clearly a top three. And I think last year, I would have said, even then, I wouldn't have said Hertz was up there. I think Lamar, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are just like a tier above. Like they are the guys that I would want to build my franchise around. Then I think you've got Burrow and I'd probably gun to my head, still put Herbert closer because I just can't beat what Justin Herbert can do on a football field. And then I think Hertz gets lumped into that tier three. But I actually put him at the front of tier three. I think he's closer to two than he is four. And I'm going to explain why. I think you could mention like a CJ Stroud as well, as I mentioned, in that like Hertz, Dak, Stafford, uh, maybe even this year, like a Jared Goff, maybe. Um, but that kind of like just below elite, elite, but still in the very, very good range. Anywhere between like, four to nine i would say like in that uh spectrum of the nfl even after a slight down year um what about you and i'm sure there's people i've missed off before everyone starts tweeting at me but i'm talking vaguely about tiers because i refuse to do a proper ranking and then i'm going to finish by explaining why rankings are dumb and what actually matters uh well wh where do you have him yeah I, I will so I will do a full NFL quarterback rankings podcast for Chalk Talk later this offseason. Uh, I will post my positional rankings uh, 
I did positional rankings for every position group heading into this year. So I will give this a lot more thought uh, at some point than I'm doing right now. But going into this year, I had him ranked number four behind Mahomes, Burrow, and Allen. Um, I would bring I, I would bring him down some from there. Uh, I think you know your top your top of the top has got to be Mahomes. I would say Mahomes is in a tier of his own. Uh, and then you've got you know Allen Lamar uh, is probably like that second tier, and I would put Burrow into like the third tier because I can't put him on the same tier as Allen and Lamar because I'm so invested in a quarterback who can improvise and create out of structure. I'm obsessed with that. I mentioned doing the QB ranking show like uh, tonight for BGN Radio, and man, I watched somebody like. Michael Penix Jr. And I'm like, he's a really talented thrower of the football. And I'm not interested. I wouldn't be interested in him at all because he's just not mobile. But uh, so Mahomes, Alan Lamar, and then that would get me through my two tiers. My third tier is probably like going to be guys like Burrow. Uh, Stafford would be in there. Herbert would be in there. Um, I would probably already put Stroud in there. Uh, and Hertz is probably right in there. And, and then if I go down a little bit further, I probably get into guys like uh, uh, Lawrence would probably be in there. And then if I go down a little further, I probably get into guys like Dak, uh, Jordan Love, and, yeah. and extremely low, extremely low, you know, sample size for Jordan. I missed Love, out but, Love and Lawrence. I'd probably put them at the end of tier three as well. Um, yeah, Love, I, was, I want to see one more year, but yeah, I was really impressed with Love down the stretch. So, I mean, I think ranking them out that way. I what that put me hurts like seventh ish. Uh, so, I mean, I think he's clearly a top 10 quarterback uh, in the NFL still. I would not have him quite as highly as I did a year ago. Uh, although, you know, it's a year to year league and that could dramatically shift next year, but uh, that's kind of how I would probably rank it out. Right. And now I'm going to finish by explaining why rankings are a waste of time. Um, so I'm joking. I, I, I like rankings. They're good fun. I cannot understand anybody who doesn't take into consideration playoffs when they rank players. Like I absolutely, I'm going to come, I'm going to say it. All right. I love Ben Solak. Uh, I I can't understand putting Dak Prescott above Jalen Hurts. And for a very simple reason, not because I'm an Eagles fan, not because I even think Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than Dak. I think you can argue Dak's a better player. I think on film, I think the way he plays the position, the cerebral nature he is, he's reading the defense. I think you could argue Dak is a better player. However, this is my thing when it comes to ranking, Shane. The only thing I care about at quarterback position, can you win it all? That's what matters. Like, everyone can do good things. Baker Mayfield couldn't look good one week. Can you win it all? Like, Kirk Cousins could be brilliant in the regular season. Are you actually going to lift a team up, or does everything need to be perfect around you? Because perfection never happens. Brock Purdy has probably got perfect this year, and he still should have lost last week, and he was very lucky to win, because he's not good enough to win at that, that level. And the next thing comes into, am I projecting or have I seen it? I have seen Jalen Hurts be good enough for an entire playoff run, not one quarter, not two quarters, to win the one seed, to win every single playoff game and play out of his mind in the Super Bowl against the best quarterback arguably ever, except for Brady, long term. And I watched him with my eyes compete. And if he got the ball back, I think we win. If James Bradbury doesn't hold on third down, I think Hurts wins that Super Bowl. So I've seen it. Now, I then I look at people like Dak Prescott, and this is not an anti-Dak post. I'm talking about other players as well, even the people like Stroud, the Herberts, and they rank them above based on their in-season 
uh, success. And then I watched them in the playoffs, Shane, and they are not as good. Dak Prescott is two of five, I think, in the playoffs this year. He's 30 years old. He's never really had a great game. And I, I see people post their numbers. Like, the numbers still look all right. I think his numbers are decent in the playoffs. I watched that game against the Packers. He, They melted down. The team melted down. And I do not understand how, if you're going to rank anyone, if you're going to rank a player above another player, just put it at the top. These are regular season rankings only. Because I think this is sports. These are professionals. Of course, the occasion matters. Of course, it does. You're kidding if you think Tom Brady was that good all the time. Like He loved the occasion. Patrick Mahomes loves the big moment. I think Jaden Hurts is really good in big moments. And I think this year, the Eagles offense was an absolute disaster in the playoffs. But I've watched him do it. And that's why I think you can argue Dak and Herbert and Lawrence are all better than him. I think if you were to break them down pound for pound, look what they do, reading of a defense, how much you can do with your offense, what can you run? Fine. Rank Dak, rank Lawrence uh, above him, like if that's what you want to do. But I've not seen them do it. I cannot ever take Dak Prescott above Jalen Hurts, not because I'm an Eagles fan, because I want to see him do it in the playoffs. And this is not fan bias. I've seen him do it. So realistically, quarterback rankings, I don't really care. They all get paid anyway. If you've got one on the rookie deal, brilliant. If not, they're going to be incredibly expensive. The question is, can I win with you? Or can I win because of you? And I think the Eagles do win with Jalen Hurst as their quarterback, not just because everything's perfect around him. I think, yes, the surrounding talent is good. That should not be a criticism. It helps if you've got good surrounding talent. Like, of course it does. That's a big part of playing quarterback. But there's a difference between carrying a guy and a guy like really helping um, an offense. And I think what Hurts does mobility-wise uh, what he gives you as an athlete, his deep ball, I think it really does help the Eagles offense. So I don't hate rankings, but I feel like any ranking should simply, to an extent, be, are we going to win? And if we can't win with you and we need to improve on you, then you're not the quarterback of the future. And I don't think the Eagles are having those discussions right now, and they shouldn't be. So I don't really care where you put Hurts. I just find it pretty astounding that some analysts have him lower than guys that I've never seen do in the playoffs before. I don't really get it because that's where your money is made. That's what teams want to see. You want someone who excels in strong situations when it when it counts. And that's why I feel really good about Hurts moving forward because I've seen him do it in those big moments. I will never forget that playoff game. I watched him do it against Patrick Mahomes, and I really do think we win if we get the ball back. So I have seen him do it. It's not a projection. It's there. The film is out there. Go and watch how good he was in that game. Um, and I think I'll finish with it there uh, to end my rant about why I don't like rankings, but also do find them useful. Yeah. Uh, last thing I'll note here as we wrap up this podcast, uh, I just checked Twitter while Johnny was talking to see if anything notable came out of the Eagles press conference and the season ending press conference started 30 minutes late. So if there is nothing that is a better microcosm for the Eagles 2023 season, than Nick Sirianni showing up 30 minutes late to the season ending press conference, I don't know what it would be. Maybe maybe he was in the back trying to still come up with an answer to the blitz. Uh, I don't know. So uh, no news for us to report there. The con press conference looks like it is just starting. So we will not be breaking any news on this podcast. Well, hopefully uh, next week we'll have a new coordinator hires. So I might get a bit of time to dive into some films. So maybe next week we can do a coordinator episode depending on, a, on when the hires happen and if they decide to play nice and do it quickly rather than later. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of On the Shane Page. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, we're figuring out how this show is going to be structured during the off season. So if you guys have ideas, things you want us to talk about, uh, 
any feedback is uh, very much welcome. You can hit us up on Twitter. I am at Shane Half NFL. He is at Johnny Page Nine. And we will see you guys next week to talk about coordinators or receivers or running backs or who knows. We will talk about something next week on BGN Radio. <laughs>